Awoga, this is a dwarf cast. Hello and welcome to this dwarf cast commentary of Back to Earth Director's Cut. Uh, I'm Ian Symes. With me is Seb Patrick. Hello. Jonathan Caps. Fuck you. And from the Red Dwarf Fan Club, Joe Sharples, aka uh, Singing Potato 1979. Hello. Uh, we're now going to do a commentary of Back to Earth, the director's cut. Uh, so there's going to be some beeps, and on the final longest beep, press play on your DVD or Blu ray. There ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace. And here we are with the episode. And we should just mention before we get started that we also have two cats in the room, one of which is a very inquisitive kitten. So if there's any <laughs> squeals or hisses or bangs, then it's not our fault. It's some cats. Uh, <laughs> some cats there. We brought the cats in specially for this because it's a Red Dwarf reference. I'm just enjoying the opening titles, which are lovely, and I haven't I haven't seen this in HD before, oh, so yeah. it's quite nice getting all of this. And it's a terrific title sequence. It is really good. It's a good mix of what they used to do, and also um, sort of like the American style. Yeah, sort of the names and the cast. Yeah. I think, as we said at the time, it's if Red Dwarf had all been made now, that's what the titles would have looked like on mm. all the series. Some laughing there on the subtitle. Uh, these um, virtual corridors are a fantastic idea, but I can't help but think they're a little bit exposed in HD. In HD, mm. yeah. They're it, fine it, in half the resolution. Yeah. <laughs> and certainly at the time on broadcast, I think we were all just thinking, wow. Yeah. Um, in retrospect, it's a little... Uh, it's a, Well, it's a striking... Uh, the actual shot and, and everything is really, really good. It's mm. really great way to start it. It's just some of the detail and the yeah. models aren't so great. But yeah, it's almost as if they were doing it on almost no budget. Yeah. <laughs> For free in a very short space of time. And since since the opening scene isn't hugely interesting and while we're on it right now, I'll just say if and when the show does come back, if this set isn't used again exactly as it is, it'll be a complete travesty because it's so fucking wonderful. I think budget will dictate that any, <laughs> well, they've still got it. any piece of balsa wood that yeah. was crafted for this will be used again. I assume they've still got it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. They've got a big bit of Shepparton, haven't they? I don't know, I'm only kidding. <laughs> yeah. But it's just a complete guess. <laughs> it's, it's stuff like that, though, that I think... And, I mean, you know, when you look back at it, this scene isn't great. There aren't enough gags in it, but at least there sets. aren't enough quality gags. Yeah. But you're just put in a good mood by what the thing looks like and how, at once, brought up to date and yet instantly familiar it feels. It's so lovely. And just, like, the little lights on the console and stuff and just everything, you know. Yeah. There's activity in the scene, which is great. It's like 80s Doctor Who all over again. <laughs> well, it is, because it's like the TARDIS console. I'd love to eat a tomato like that. <laughs> As if it were an apple. As if it were an apple. Why don't you? I'd, you say, I'd love to, <laughs> like it's some unattainable dream. Well, I'd like to see what it's like. Well, I mean, imagine it would be terrible. <laughs> well, well, make it a reality. <laughs> tonight, Caps. <Captain. laughs> I seem to remember around the time that there was some complaints that this whole... That whole prank was just far too convoluted and unbelievable and not particularly funny, which I can see the point. I think the fact of. that it's convoluted is the point of it. I yeah. just don't think, if anything, <laughs> it's not 
elaborate and convoluted enough to be yeah. properly funny. You know, I guess after nine years of constant yeah. wind ups, that he's uh, he's starting to stretch it a little bit. <laughs> well, again, I, I almost think back. Craig or Doug. I think it's it reminds me most of uh, the series eight prison scenes mm. rather than the really good scenes from earlier series. But which, I mean, which, which makes you think, sort of, I mean. It's almost like that's how Doug sees the Lister River dynamic yeah. at this point. And it was only really like that in the old series towards the end. Mm. It was never Lister didn't deliberately wind Rimmer up at the start. He just did. Yeah, it was just yeah. <laughs> but personally, I think this is of equal quality to any of the bunk scenes in series one because it's set in a bunk. Yeah, and then that, that is, is the, the only criteria yeah. for humour. Uh, I don't like this scutter. Uh, it doesn't look great in HD. Again, though, what does look good in HD is getting even more of a proper look at the detail of. I mean, you can read yeah. Arnie does it best there, yeah. and yeah. it's, it's like, dressing super. You know, given that barely any of this was going to be seen properly. Yeah, on broadcast. Know, it basically, so it got they got the most seen when they put the picture of it online, and we all sat there yeah. poring over it. And you know, we is that what happy. you call it these days? <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, it shows off the cinematography, which is really good. Yeah. Ian's a director. <laughs> I'm fucking not. <laughs> no, no, this is nice. Although, um, you remember at the beginning of part two of <laughs> you were beginning of part two of End of Time with the Time Lords walking down that gantry uh... that basically looks like a slightly bigger version of this, and it just it seems to be a bit of a trick for. Um, we've not got the budget, or this is a short enough scene that we're not going to do a big massive set on it. Let's have a little gantry with space below it. Yeah. Um, it seemed to serve the same purpose in Doctor Who. Just missed uh, Mel Bibby. Yeah, yeah. and I've only just noticed, uh, this isn't the first time I've watched it in HD, but the first time I've really paid attention in HD, you can see his name on the picture as well, mm -hmm. which I haven't noticed before. You know who Jane Austen is. <laughs> You've been to a shit CG <laughs> representation of her. I know you, we'd all rather forget about it, but it happened. <laughs> Remember that said, that is probably the first properly funny line of the episode. Yeah. The, the car chase is like damning with faint praise. No, it's it's a good one. The delivery is nice. I like it. Craig is pretty much faultless in this entire thing. Yeah, and, it's completely and who'd have thought different. we'd be saying that? Yeah. About <laughs> Not that he's terrible beforehand, but it's no, just it's like really it's proper acting. I still never figured out where cat comes from here. Is someone able to explain it to me? I think it's just land. <laughs> I think it's just a thing that real cats do of just appearing. Mm. Uh, and you're not <laughs> knowing they were even there in the first place. He's probably <laughs> been sat there watching it, just hanging yeah. from the ceiling. Or <laughs> picking his moment to deliver his urgent news. <laughs> this distracted. was one of the scenes that was given away on the USB yeah. sticks. And well, isn't it everything up to this point? <clears throat> wasn't it just the first five minutes? I might be wrong. Uh... No, I remember, no, well, I didn't get one of the USB right. sticks, but I remember seeing this clip online. Maybe the whole first one is what we're giving away in the USB. Mm. This ended up online, yeah. this, this scene. This scene, um, I uh, shot over someone's shoulder, John's man's shoulder, watching it at Berkeley Square. Wow. Uh, but just trying desperately hard not to watch it myself, because I didn't want to spoil it myself. Even though it wasn't a spoiler, because it had been <laughs> freely given yeah. out, it was just... Wanted no, to stay pure. Yeah, I I think we 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 got this bit, but an edited version of this bit, as in some bits were cut out, and then we got an edited version of when they're down in the tank and Rimmer's sat there 
dance into the music. We'd mm. seen that beforehand. Uh, well, yeah, that was on BBC uh, News uh, breakfast, I think it was. Uh, that right, morning yeah. or the day before. This was also one of the first scenes, uh, maybe towards the end, that I was first aware of any of the content of the episode because um, Joe had come back from <laughs> filming her bit and they were doing this just before just before that, which we'll get onto later. And like loosely described this scene and it just made it... it was. I was stupidly excited. Just hearing. You now know, you're just the, stupid. Now I'm just stupid. There's another little. Hopefully, we're going to stop picking up on things that don't look as good in HD as they did on broadcast. The <laughs> corridor behind Crichton is a little bit. Uh, it's 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 in it briefly enough that you don't really. It doesn't really matter, and they do the corridor so well later on with the foreground yeah. miniature, but too weird for. Yeah, this is not stupid. Yeah, but again, yeah. that's, I don't know, I think that's not a bad line. And I think it's fair to say this doesn't get going until the following scene in the, um, whatever, the, the diving bell thing. Yeah, yeah. That was when it starts being Red Dwarf again. Yeah. And this, but this is the thing, it's, it's, all, it's a shame that, you know, you put them back in this setting and it's like, this is the thing where everybody said for years Red Dwarf will be better when they get them mm. back in the classic bunk room. It's just about the dialogue. There's none of all the stupid extra nonsense. There's no Kachansky. There's no Canaries. And then they do. And the problem is, and you know, there's a lot that Doug wrote very well in this story that mm. we'll come to. But just purely when it's just dialogue and it should just be about good jokes, they're not really there. You know, mm-hmm. most of the best jokes come out in this come out of the concept rather than yeah. the dialogue. Well, that was <coughs> sort of always the way that you know the plots always served as a launchpad for jokes, and I think mm. it's more to do with the format of Back to Earth as being one story. That's mm. Like obviously it was broadcast in three parts, but I think this director's cut is sort of the definitive version of one seventy-minute story, and so therefore you've got to get the plot going within five minutes. Mm. So therefore you've got to leave yeah. behind the classic stuff and if but it was a series of six half hours then yeah. <laughs> if such thing were to ever happen yeah. uh, we'll see more yeah. of just sitting around well, talking just I, ju- I just yeah. think we need a proper woofer before we get to the scene yeah. we're up to now you know. and it's not as if you know he's not capable of them because there's plenty in yeah this, they're, you know, yeah, as I say it's, they're it's just not like they're the start. in the story and like you say, the situation brings out the woofers. It's the it's the just status quo woofers. <laughs> <laughs> We've used the word woofers too many times. Though. And status quo. Yeah, this bit was on um, BBC Breakfast. Yeah, it was. <coughs> did you allow yourself to watch it? I did, because I wanted to see the... And I think I wrote the news story of GT. <laughs> At that stage, it was like seeing rough clips that had been released to press was sort of allowed, but seeing big chunks of it a few days before broadcast, I didn't allow myself to happen. No. That's it's, true, because it was so close, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the Thursday, was it? Well, the Wednesday. I really like, I again, not to keep on talking about sets all the time, but given that it's such a little thing, the set that Rimmer's in here I really like, because it's obviously something they've knocked up quickly and on the, the cheap, pallets. Yeah. and yet there are two things about it. One... It actually somehow feels like it is part of a much bigger area that he's in. It doesn't just look like he's sitting in a cupboard. And secondly, it's reminiscent of Starbug. 
Yeah. It, yeah. it puts Red Dwarf in your head because it looks like um, he's sitting in Starbuck. Well, more importantly, it's specifically um, reminiscent of Back to Reality. Mm. Well, there's that as well, yeah. Uh, the, the, even the yeah the set that he's sat in and mm. the fact that he's the fact that he's set, on his own yeah. and everyone else is yeah. down in with that's never occurred to me before. he doesn't try to tell a joke though <laughs> <laughs> he didn't in the end <laughs> well, <laughs> it's yeah. a deleted scene and thus not canon <laughs> in which case Doug could have reused it <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah actually I suppose given the you know the fact that this whole story is a callback to back to reality yeah, it hadn't really occurred to me that right at the beginning we get something that yeah, because we puts it look, in your mind. We weren't looking out for it as a yeah. back to reality thing at the time. It was only having seen the whole thing. Although that was a bit of a clue. Yeah. <laughs> Big yeah. And but I do remember never... I do remember us saying uh the the detail that they were on the lookout for a giant squid, we made the comparison but it thought, ah, yeah. that's just us being twats, it's never gonna actually <laughs> be Oh. Well, the thing is, we we won't focus in as much as I recall. We won't focus in as much on the squid as we were on the giant water tank that was scaring the shit out of John. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and also the uh, the Coronation Street elephant, yes, <laughs> sort of weighing heavily. <laughs> Headfoot Monday. Well, also, I think the phrase that we had was dimension hopping Leviathan. I remember being mm. in those summaries. And, you know, if you know your stuff, then you'd think Leviathan, you'd think sea creature and so on. But people, the word tends to be used more just to describe something really big. Massive. So people yeah. didn't necessarily picture a really massive squid. That's not great. <laughs> CGI. <laughs> what you see more. Some people might not be watching it. Oh, they couldn't. That tentacle looked like it was just dancing behind the cat. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Some of them are like rubber ones, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, they had and, and weirdly, the rubber ones do look better, yeah. uh, which you wouldn't always say about rubber tentacles. I but, think some um, of the ones that are flailing in the foreground are also, they're rubber but shot against a green screen that I did yeah. later. It's the ones that they're physically interacting with that are the best, which is yeah. no surprise. A snake? <laughs> well. <laughs> and this is just an excuse for... I actually wonder with this where it's the sort of thing where... The thing with Rimmer dancing about where they recorded loads of it. They just, mm. they just <laughs> let Chris go for about five minutes just pissing around. Like his car facts. Yeah, and then just, just use the best bits. Because there are a few people who pull a face quite like Chris Barry does. I don't think he, he gets the credit for being almost the British Jim Carrey in that sense. Yeah. He should... His uh, stint of being in the most successful comedies on TV shouldn't <coughs> have lasted for as short a time as it did. Yeah, He should still be on mainstream TV. Well, it was his choice to make Prince Among Men. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> And, and hey, yeah, uh, Tomb Raider's coming back, but it's a reboot, <laughs> yeah. so it might not be in. Minga Monthly is oh, not a good joke. The word Minga should yeah. not be in Red Dwarf. <laughs> and if it is, it shouldn't be uttered by Cat because it just sounds wrong. Yeah. He's got an American accent, you know. No, the Cat's probably the least nailed down of all the characters anyway mm. throughout yeah. the whole show, not just this. It's not usually a problem as long as what he's saying is funny. That doesn't look shit in HD. No. That looks <laughs> just the shit. I think they put quite a lot of effort into that. Based <laughs> it's on probably the, the first thing they did, yeah. and then it looks shit. <laughs> but that is just, you know, I think we did talk about this in the, the immediate reaction things, but 
it's always supposed to be the case that Red Dwarf is absolutely massive and the novels were able to get that across in yeah. a way that I think the only time the TV series was able to do it, ironically, Series 8, um, with the Starbuck crash. Yeah. And it's even better than that. That gives you an even better sense of it being huge and cavernous. Even better Speaking than of huge stuff. and cavernous. Um, cavernous? about her breasts. <laughs> oh, good. If they were cavernous is in use. <laughs> I thought that was quite a good segue, given that you appeared just as I was saying. <laughs> good joke. <laughs> we actually get two good size gap jokes in Back to Earth. It's pretty good going. That that bit crap joke, I think, was the moment when I relaxed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the first popper belly laugh, you say, ah, good. And uh, cat poking Katarina is good as well. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Holly decided to be a twat. And <laughs> therefore, we never want to work with him again, but that's okay because he never wants to work with us yeah. again unless he's Although, making loads of money. <laughs> Although he secretly does. Yeah. Uh, there's <laughs> Joe showed me earlier uh, a quick gossip thing in, on some website or other that Norman was doing a gig recently and there was a woman asleep in the back row. <laughs> and he, he like... Picked her out and said, oh, "What's the matter? Are you tired?" And she said, "No, I just thought you were better in Red Dwarf." <laughs> <laughs> the point now, as well, is, again, seeing as she's just been introduced, that Sophie Wonkerman is is very good in this, um, yeah. which surprised me because I've never thought she was that good in Peep Show. Really, uh, I she's, think she's a bit over the top, and you know, I'm not sure why she's um, Russian though. I've never really... Well, yeah. so that you could call her Kremlin Kate. <laughs> <laughs> An uh, entire character based around one. <laughs> I don't know. This no, her accent and her accent's good. And if anything, that actually seems to... I think I find it easier to um, get on with her in this than if she was doing her standard posh, really yeah. posh voice. Oh, I, I mean, she, well, she, no, she wouldn't sound authoritative if she was if she had because her big Sue's voice is her natural voice. She wouldn't sound like an officer. She wouldn't sound harsh at all. She kind of has to be doing it different. And I think probably the Russian thing is because it's the steely, you know, sort of the classic uh, yeah. James Bond esque. You have uh, the Russian uh, hologram in Hollow Ship. Uh, of course, yeah, yeah. 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 That's Let's really go back to that. Possibility of in fact, if anything, oh right, here's a good point. Bearing in mind that the whole thing's a hallucination, uh, she probably comes from Rimmer more than anybody else. Even mm. though it's like a group hallucination, she's part of Rimmer's story in the whole hallucination. So he imagines um, superior officer hologram who shows up and is haughty. There's probably elements of having met yeah. a haughty female Russian superior hologram years before. Because the only other female hologram he met there was uh, Nirvana, Nirvana and, she yeah. li and he liked her. Yeah. So. Ah, if that's the case, then ah. then we have to assume that this is the original Rimmer who left to be able. Uh -huh. Yes, <laughs> good point. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, that's very important. <laughs> that is crucially important. When are they going to tell us what happened in the nine years? Ah, but no, right, because if ah. if Rimmer, who was on the ship, who was brought, if Rimmer, who was brought back to life, died and was brought back as a hologram, chances are the hologram recording <laughs> would have been updated. constantly recording yes. and updating while hologram Rimmer was alive. So it's got all of it. If that's probably the best way to look at Rimmer, he's both of them combined. Yeah. He's a hologram that's been brought back after series eight Rimmer died and he's got the memories and personality of yeah. both of them combined. They've combined the two phones. Yeah. 
I don't know if that's right. the intention, but it works best for me. Yeah, in fact, it doesn't matter. <coughs> yeah, well, it he's just Rimmer. That's, it doesn't matter what happened to that Series 8 Rimmer because your hologram is like recorded at a certain point of time and yeah. maybe updated. It's just, it doesn't matter what happened to him. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> Shit. This, and okay. oh, this joke reaction is... Shot. I this mean, joke is a lot better than when it was in Series 8. Yeah, and it's you know it's one of the most used jokes in comedy. <laughs> yeah. But as long as you do it well, as long and the reaction the reaction shot is great there, and you've got the bit which is good. So you know, <laughs> yeah, that is really. And Crichton walking off whistling is very strong. <laughs> really good match. Which you know there there isn't a lot, and there's no obviously no disrespect to Robert, but there's not a lot for Crichton in this as a whole. So when he gets little bits that are good, it's yeah. nice because mm. he's a little observed by... Oh, he always... Yeah. Yeah, his little there. touches that he adds always make Crichton stand out whenever he's there. Mm. Like in the bit in the comic shop later. That's mm. not us, so. <laughs> That gets changed in this, doesn't it? Yeah, I can't remember the details. Really? really. But yeah. It, there's a, there's Slightly a different in the director's cut. Yeah. I think it's just the audio levels, certain things are highlighted. Yeah, another old joke. Yeah. Oh, that way, you took the words right out of my mouth. Then. Yeah. Relative time dilation, I thought. <laughs> montage. <laughs> Pointless montage with a few uh, sort Cleavage of... shots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to use those words, I was just going to say close-ups. <laughs> There's no time for euphemism tonight, <laughs> Seb. This is Ganymede and Titan. <laughs> Titan. <laughs> like a cock. I like the fact you no. took time to volumise her hair before. <laughs> <laughs> Hitting the laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't this the first thing she shot? Yeah. So maybe they did it with this hair and then changed the mind. It's like a very compressed version of yeah, doing yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. a very compressed version of doing a pilot for a show, and then when they got a series, they have uh, yeah, the different hair. All all the way actually, um, David Tennant's hair grows and shrinks over the course of series two of Doctor Who because yeah. the ones that were shot earlier, he's got big hair, and then suddenly he hasn't. Well, whoever does continuity on Doctor Who come continuity. <laughs> And this is the end of episode one. Yeah, it is. Yeah. A really good um, library music coming up. Yeah, that we we all music. assumed that was properly yeah. written because it's so good. And tiny 3D versions of everyone. On yeah, big ragdoll physics. Yeah. I had no idea they. Well, there was. I thought they were more like touched up rather than completely computer generated. But on the extras. Seymour goes at uh, great length to explain to us why, uh, how they did it. It's another thing that's just, you know, a nice little touch in terms of giving it continuity with um, the past. The computer screens and stuff having similar design style and fonts and mm. stuff. It's, mm. you know, it didn't need to be that way, especially because it's been so long. But it, I think it's sort of as well the cyclic nakes, is that a word? Cyclical. Cyclical nature yeah. of uh, design in general. That those sort of things are now yeah. used <laughs> in TV these days. 
And I've just realized, unfortunately, but I decided to focus on that minor point. I've skimmed over the sudden point where we all of a sudden get the jarring cut into yeah. present day Earth, yeah. which at the time was, we knew it was coming, but it was just the way that it cuts to it. Yeah. it is so. This scene is incredibly well done and it's yeah. proper dwarf concept. I, th- I think, yeah. um, I wouldn't say this, this whole sequence is the strongest bit of the whole thing, but it's the point where it really kicks in. I think it's the, most, the, whole it's the most effective in what it's trying to do. Yeah. Why are they hanging different in different areas? I never got that one, to be honest. <laughs> they couldn't fit them uh, all in. Yeah. <laughs> and also, yeah, I mean, the cast in this whole scene are strong as well. John Glover, um, he's got a well, tiny part, and yet he's John Glover. I, th- I think the the guy playing Mike Mountain's great as yeah. well. Though. Never seen him in anything. Else. <laughs> he um, he did, this was shot. This is my favourite yeah. shot in the whole thing. I think the camera carrying on and yeah. coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I think and then that's just. It's just like. It almost doesn't register initially. It's like that's Crichton, but around present day Earth. It's yeah. just sort of Selfridges. It's a really. Um, that's John Lewis. Oh yeah, that's the one. In fact, it's something I was going to remark it's on later, but it's, uh, well, no, but it's, it's a John Lewis. You can see the words John Lewis on some of the boxes because it's their own brand TV stuff. Um, yeah, what's quite interesting because this was shot. I think was it over in Richmond, yeah, uh, or something like that. Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. it was near to where because they walk among us Richmond. is in Richmond, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think it was somewhere else in Southwest London where they got, went to this John Lewis. But you know, when they get on the tube, it's um, stock footage in the background of Canary Wharf station, yeah. there is a John Lewis. Well, it's a, it's a Waitrose food and home, but it's a John Lewis <laughs> in Canary Wharf. So even though they didn't shoot it there, they could quite well be in Canary Wharf. John Basically. Um, There's a hell of a schlep from Canary Wharf to Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> the comic shop. Especially pro- in the fucking Jubilee. There's yeah. definitely closer comic shops. Yeah. <laughs> <in> the- <laughs> I mean, that's we're sorry. We just talked over the whole, the excellent size scan. Yeah, there. like we need to do it all. A little subtle dig from Doug uh, uh, criticised yeah. uh, critics, perhaps. Yes. When this <laughs> when this scene was being filmed, it was a night shoot, obviously, because the thing was closed. That's Helen Norman and, and uh, Joe Howard, Howard and Howard, Howard, Howard Bird. Howard. Uh, yeah, during this night shoot, apparently, we've been told that Danny John Jules was on G and T at one point. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> In the Mac section yeah. with Andrew <laughs> and uh, Muggs Murphy, and yeah, yeah, you can see all them there. Oh, I'll ah, pick up randomly, DVD. pick up these DVDs. <laughs> I won't look at them now. I'll look at them. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the what videos. Bit, but there's yeah. a there's a couple of things about this scene that don't really work, especially but. in the director's cut. Yes, well, the uh, whole punchline to the scene doesn't work in the yeah. director's cut, mm. which is a shame. Yeah, it's a strong tone. Really. Uh, it it could have been changed for. Uh, uh, it could have been shot with a DVD release or uh, director's cut in mind and altered. Like possible. Or. Not even in the show you could do it. And don't you just hate it when and then simulate a DVD crashing mm. or something. Yeah. Like um, <laughs> Gremlins 2. <laughs> in Gremlins 2 there's a bit where the Gremlins take over the film and in the 
cinema um, version. They, yeah. It's in a cinema, and in the video version, it's they break it all to do with videotapes. Um, and Hulk Hogan's in one. I've just spotted there's something I've not noticed before, an actually inaccurate line from Crichton there where he says, it chronicles all our adventures, every one of them. Well, no, it doesn't, because, I mean, what about the Christmas with the beast from the, <laughs> yeah. the, the and, and, cluster, and there's a massive uh, nine-year gap as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, there's quite some, a few adventures. I don't like how quickly... Uh, I know... And clunkily. I know, that's the thought at the time, but obviously ha- in con- the context of the whole thing, it makes sense because they're in a hallucination that wants them to stay in the hallucination and go along with it. <laughs> that's so, a nice little... Uh, no, no, but it is. Off. I mean, I, I thought that's kind of the point. In the con- in oh. the context of the whole thing, it works. Watching it at the time, it's like, shouldn't they be a bit more freaked out by yeah. this? We've uh, just skipped over the one <coughs> shit bit. Yeah, Crichton uh, doing his Series 7. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mind that no, in this. I didn't like his, the, the original ones, but... It's not... Did we ever work out who that is, by the way? It, we thought it was Chloe. We thought it was Chloe, and thought it was meant to be a hint, but but no, it's just some woman. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say this whole everything about part two really on first broadcast. I was it was part partly just the way the weekend went. Mm. I just thought this isn't this isn't good. I don't like it anymore. But watching I really it, liked part two. but yeah, watching it back now in the context of the wider thing, I can see how strong this is. Mm. Uh, just to interrupt myself, Crichton's little face yeah. there when he says when Lister reads out the back of the cover and says Kachansky's dead, Crichton has a guilty face, yeah. which you obviously don't notice on first broadcast, but it's all there. Really, Crichton does a face. <coughs> <coughs> Unfortunately, go- it is a shame that the whole the scene with the DVD meant that the DVD that we got was that. I mean, the front cover could have been better doesn't ruin it. I do think that there's a real problem with it. If someone's picking up Back to Earth in the shops, that description on the back of the box, which works as the description in the plot of the episode, mm. is not a good description of Back to Earth <laughs> to put on the back of a DVD to sell people uh, at all. Who cares? It's well. better. <laughs> the DVD is better for being having yeah. the same thing. But where's the Blu-ray? That's true. There's Hannah in the background. Yeah. Chris Didn't Barry, notice that at the time. Oh, sorry, remember flicking through a book of carpets. I've never quite understood that one. Why he's flicking through a book of carpets. <laughs> it's just funny. Well, it's the same reason genuinely, telegraph, yeah. photos of telegraph. He's genuinely ball. engrossed with different colours. <laughs> I mean, obvi- obviously the whole thing here of this being a facsimile in the bunk room has yeah. been gone over. It instantly makes nice. it funny as well. Um, the holly in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that feels screen. like they're rubbing it in. To yeah. be <laughs> and I don't blame them for rubbing it in. I'd like to rub uh, some holly into Norman Levitt's eyes. <laughs> this is, that, there you've got an example of Craig Charles doing a slightly crap stand-up routine. Yeah. Um, doesn't really work. Rip your dick off and fax it to camera. I still think elements of this drag a bit. I think the um, the swallow scene is a tad unnecessary. It seems to yeah. be just for the Blade Runner references, which... At the time, I was more annoyed about it than I am now. But I thought, fuck, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a Blade yeah. Runner fan. I want New Red Dwarf to be New Red Dwarf and not mm. concern itself with anything other than Red Dwarf. I still think Just it's a valid point. It, it is to an extent, but Back to Earth also has plenty of celebration of what Red Dwarf is, as well. Especially the end. Especially the last mm. part. Just a point though, as well. The um, after a really strong run where things really kicked into gear, it suddenly sags when we go to. A bunk room scene. Yeah. 
That was, I think it's a hangover from, in the original when it was only two parts, that was going to be the opener for mm. part two. And, and so, presumably longer. Well, we know longer. Cause yeah, because yeah, yeah, it had the jammy dodger. Yeah. Which is, you which know, is the best there is a good gag. Spruced up, with it, spruced up with me all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Spruced at the gem hole with me all. <laughs> yeah, Particularly but, in the director's cut, that should have been thrown back in. That really should have been put back in there. Yeah, and like the whole scene as yeah, broadcast and as here is, it is um, it is a saggy bit that detracts from the action, but it's a hangover from, and they had to include it so they could get from A to B. Little factoid I've learned about that shot, which is the shot of them waiting by the tube wasn't recorded as them waiting for the tube. I think it was them waiting for the bus or something. Or waiting to, or possibly no or was wait, it waiting just them waiting, waiting for a queue? No, it was waiting for the dimension cutter thing. I think it's a shot of them in against green screen for the hangar yeah. and then they turned it into that. Oh, why didn't we actually get cardboard toys? <laughs> <laughs> we got that. Oh, yeah, I've got that. Yeah. I spent thirty quid on that, DJ. Jeremy, well, we, you know what we call Jeremy Swift. <laughs> <laughs> You've told us before. <laughs> uh, not Mark Benton or poor man's Mark Benton. <laughs> to be fair, again, he's good. He is good in this. Yeah. He's good and in I, this. I, he's I, one of my favourite jokes is listening to music. No. no. <laughs> it's, it's just that, what? Yeah, he's, this part is really good and he is really good in it and brings a lot to the character that wouldn't have otherwise been there. He's a really great performance. But I can't look at him now without thinking that he's a bit of a knob whenever he's interviewed about the part, whether it's on the DVD or with us. The thing is, I mean, you know, your whole thing, I think the thing was he thought that he'd already been interviewed by you. Yeah, I've told so, you this before. Yeah. You got so, well. Well, it, it did seem a little bit, I know, I'm, I, I was just some bloke going up to him with a camera on the street while he was waiting, <laughs> having a fag. Doesn't even know who we are. But um, and I'm glad that way he did what he did to us because it gave us a good anecdote. But he gets a bit stroppy with Ellard on the making of, and and yeah. you just think, come on, play the game. It's not like he's a massive star who's yeah. interviewed all the time. He's always asked the same questions. I use my own voice. It's not a. It's mime. not a mime. I like that as well. It's a bit weird. He's on the phone to James Bull. I was going to say. I have to admit, I didn't <laughs> think for a moment either um, that they might even. Not that it would be James or that James would appear, but that just as a little throwaway gag, they would call hey, the president James. James. <laughs> or secondly, that as part of a viral marketing ploy, James would change his name by default <laughs> to Red Dwarf. I don't know. Still don't know why he hasn't done that. I think he should have turned up at Dimension Jump after Back to Earth, saying that he'd changed his name to Red Dwarf. He was going to, but he couldn't afford it because he'd fucked off to the Bahamas <laughs> with all your money. <laughs> Hello, James. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. That's annoying because it's a point where he reveals himself as one of those people who pronounces Red Dwarf with the wrong emphasis. Red he dwarf. says Red Dwarf. Like, like a Red Dwarf. Yeah. Yeah. Like Doug Naylor. No, they Joel say Allen. Red Dwarf. Yeah, yeah. Andrew and Doug say it does mean it's right. Yeah. <laughs> and it does mean it's right. Andrew only says it because Doug says it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> we were really hoping to have John on this podcast, but he's still. He can't. He can't Face watch it. it. He can't. He just can't. It's too upsetting for him that there's Red Dwarf that he doesn't like, even though there's we've always all, been We've all been coping with it for a decade. Yeah. <laughs> I think he just pinned so much on it, even though he, you know, he was sensible with his expectations. It's just... Oh. Mm. He's got very specific ideas of what Red Dwarf should be, which is fair enough. Yeah. I think. 
and for it not to be that. Mm. I mean, you know, I, I think everyone's the same. Everyone has their their preferred type of red dwarf, but that's exactly the point: is that there's many different types of red dwarf I think, even before yeah. series seven. Yeah, and uh, this is a completely new thing. It's not similar to anything from red, uh, apart from Back to Reality as a plot. Yeah. But the style of it and the way the story is told is nothing like Red Dwarf before. Yeah, more akin to the novels, if anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just a completely new thing, and you either like it or you don't. It's not mm-hmm. linked into any previous preferences. I actually seen this, you know, done in the main That's so well. I'd really. I would love to. I would have loved to have had a film if they, you know, an adaptation yeah. of the the book's sort of origin story. But it, this just confirms that actually it would have been. Yeah, Doug been can good. write a seventy eighty minute Red yeah. Dwarf story. Incidentally, would it have killed them to have been a bit more accurate and said fan convention in two thousand and eight because there wasn't a fan convention in two thousand and nine? No, you got it wrong. There wasn't one in two thousand and eight. There was one in two thousand nine. Was there one in two thousand and nine? Two thousand and nine. Oh, two thousand and nine was. Oh, sorry, 21st. was there one after Back yeah. to Earth? But there hadn't been one. When there this wasn't was one in two thousand and eight. Would it have killed <laughs> them to have said fan convention two thousand and seven? <laughs> that would have been. And got to Peterborough to do really. it. Yeah. <laughs> No one wants to go to Peterborough. Never again. <laughs> Good joke. Yeah. Yeah. Well yeah. delivered. And just Classic. every time I watch this scene, I'm distracted by all the red dwarf stuff <laughs> in the background and the silver surfer. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> presumably, if anyone had noticed that, they'd have had to pay for you to use that trademark. Uh, yeah, probably. Doesn't it balance out with product placement? Uh, now it would. <laughs> That's not, not us. <laughs> That's probably Robert's best moment in the whole thing, actually. Because that one feels like an ad lib. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Any time Crichton has a facial adaptation. Yeah. <laughs> I saw um, just like flicked the channels in um, Out of Time was on Dave the other That's day and just I, I wasn't even in the room I was outside and looking at it through the window and just any shot of Crichton with eyebrows and <laughs> false moustache on just makes me laugh Crichton with a hairpiece yeah hello Norman there and Charles Armitage Charles Armitage yeah it does turn up in and yeah, the Starfleet <laughs> Yeah. Doug's little pet thing of calling it Starfleet instead of the space Corps. Yeah, which I, I always assumed is a mistake. Uh, I always I I wondered if there was in the book if there was some kind of copyright or trademark reason, which is weird because Doug's the one who's still you would expect Rob's books to change yeah. stuff, but that never sat right with me. It just, yeah, the shininess of these pages always bugs me. <laughs> yeah. It's a glossy magazine. Very, yeah, but very it's not. Glossy. It's, 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 not it's only when on the previous pages, they're normal mm, magazine yeah. pages, and then he opens them, they're all shiny. Pops. Really? <laughs> that was, again, that was quite a. Remember, even at this point, we still didn't quite think Kachansky's going to be in it. We had no inkling that she'd had anything, anything. to do yeah. with it. Mm. We assumed <laughs> we assumed those pictures were just real pictures of her. That, yeah, her not kids. something that they'd gone and shot specially. <laughs> it was only when we started to think, well, if they'd gone to the trouble of doing that, yeah, yeah. 
I used to like that kid before he started selling the sun. Yeah, what yeah. a cunt that kid is. I never understood why these two are brother and sister and they come from different parts of the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're probably adopted. And they're not real. Well, if you got him, you'd send him back. <laughs> I think that was needlessly cruel. Thought <laughs> it was cruel. Well, it was needless. She's not very good, but he is. Uh, well, yeah, he's a, yeah, for a kid. I would. <laughs> That's quite funny. Hey, lads. <laughs> I think it's what partly that. I think it's more actually rather than. I did, no, he is. He is pretty good at what he's, the, the dialogue in this is a little bit. I mean. One thing that's never quite clicked for me with in this is why would Kachansky sod off on her own, presumably with limited resources and stuff, purely because Lister was just being a bit crap? Mm. It's like, mm. you know, even if, I mean, because also the other thing is you've got to assume that they've become a couple at some point, which, you know, for them is not necessarily a given, but evidently it's yeah. happened at some point. But Red Dwarf's a big ship, you know. Would she really leave Red? Where's she going? You know? Yeah. And it's just the kind of the, the hand waving explanation of oh Kachansky's left, um, yeah. you know. Yeah. You can o- you can overlook it. It's like because what this does eventually is give the series a new purpose yeah. and plot and motivation. In the same way they were looking for Red Dwarf, they're now looking for yeah. Kachansky. Yeah, and I that's good. That's I just wish it. there'd been a slightly better explanation for why Kachansky's gone in the first place. Well, hopefully, he doesn't do a lost on it. <laughs> hopefully, he knows already what's going to happen. Yeah. Also, it's a better explanation than limited casting budget. Yeah. That's weird, that fade. Because that feels like that should be going to an ad break. Yeah. And it's just a fade between scenes. Um, it's always exciting when you find the crossfade button. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised there's no star wipes. <laughs> I... No, the point of this is that he gets around the fact that he murders her by getting mm. her to admit that it's not murder and using that against her. But still, he just pushed someone in front of a car. Yeah. It's yeah. a bit odd. But she was going to kill him if we are calling it murder. <laughs> she doesn't actually exist. She doesn't yeah. exist. So maybe and something part, in the back of his head. It's part of but, the way the... Joy Squid works have given them what they want. It's Rimmer getting one over someone who's superior to him. Also, I mean, while Rimmer's never killed anyone because he's a coward, this is Rimmer. Rimmer reads Fascist Dictator Monthly <laughs> and got Napoleon's autograph. Um, and is responsible for the death of many hundreds of wax droids. Um, and, and the thousand people aboard Red Dwarf, indirectly. And told Lister to shoot the simulant in the back while he was unarmed, and that sort of thing. So actually, while he's never acted on it because he's an inveterate coward, Rimmer evidently does have that little bit more of a bloodlust than yeah. we would think of someone who's ostensibly supposed to be... Well, not hero's the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Kind mm. of sympathetic lead. <laughs> And the uh, subtitles there, they referred to Series 9 without uh, using... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they um, they leaked a picture of this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was they... done to screw with us, wasn't it? <laughs> a picture really? on Tuss of the edit process and it was on the screen in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my oh, God, there's a simulant. <laughs> no, it's... No, it's an old, old man. <laughs> 
No, I mean, if you if you know what this is doing, it's not a bad idea. And I do like this line, he made your brain too. It was a Friday. It's, <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but it's funny. <laughs> it's a bit of a running joke, and I think some of the references to it get cut out. Yeah. It's weird, having Red Dwarf, that I don't know back to front. It's still, yeah. uh, it's yeah. been two years, but because we waited so long for it, I'd, yeah, two years next month. <laughs> Because we sort of waited so long for it, went so long without New Red Dwarf, I don't yeah. want to spunk it all and watch it and get sick of it. <laughs> Savour it every time I watch it. There is, of course, the factor the of with the early Red Dwarfs, when I discovered them, I was a child. Yeah, and, and so obsessive. it was easier yeah. to watch yeah. week on week. An episode of Red Dwarf every night, or two even, every night, and you get through them. And when you're younger, times. you have no qualms about just watching the same thing yeah. over and over. The if first, anything, the first... that I watched the most was the Smeg-Ups. Yeah, I could the Smeg-Ups tape over and over again. My first experience of Red Dwarf was my sister borrowing an off-air of Series 5 yeah. uh, in summer of 93, and I spent the entire every single day for an entire summer holiday watching the whole of Series 5. <laughs> Uh, this music is yeah. shit. Well, I was going to say, and in a, in the a, band are really pushy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a show that has always prided itself either on having one of the best composers in television history mm. doing its music, or on making excellent choices in library music in the series where they didn't have him. Yeah. This is shit. <laughs> <laughs> not much. Okay? They did have him, so yeah, yeah, not much. No, but even when they didn't, they used really good library music. Someone did a really good version of this scene with the um, guitar music, rock guitar Danny, music was from Thing. Was it Danny? I, I think, think so. it was Danny, yeah. Oh, fucking hell. Sorry, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Some idiot did it. Hello, Danny. <laughs> this is the, the landing sequence is nice. Even though we've already seen Rimmer reading a magazine about cars, so why does Rimmer think cars are like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, actually, no, because come to think of it, because obviously cars... Rimmer well, could be car. someone who's an enthusiast of... You know, twentieth and twenty-first century cars, but not necessarily knowing that much about them because it's hundreds of years later. Yeah. So he could be a, a collector, as in an enthusiast of the details about them, without necessarily knowing how they worked. Yeah. You know, like you with F one cars, you wouldn't be able to drive one. Yeah. <laughs> Love every aspect of it. Maybe they just think it's um, a special type of car, which because is it's a cross a, yeah, cross between, which we thought it was. It's yeah. <laughs> all the speculation it, before they get to Earth and it transmogrifies it, into a car. Is transformed into chameleon circuit. This whole uh, thing is terribly dated because the cabin doesn't look like that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Tram crash through it. <laughs> and Simon Gregson, who has never been in anything else this except for second credit. <laughs> But he's really good in this. He's, he's really good in Coronation Street yeah, as well. Yeah. In the documentary as well, it's really obvious how delighted he was. Yeah, and he's Craig Charles' best mate. Well, that's yeah. the thing. It just it works because on mate. screen, he's Craig's character's best mate. Yeah. He's mates with him in real life. He's identifiable for nothing else other than being a Coronation Street like, person. Him and he's funny. It's like everything works as far as... There's him and Ken Barlow that you look yeah. at and you think, ah, oh, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, all the circumstances point to if you're going to. I know they have, so they have Michelle Keegan as well, but yeah. if you're going to get somebody from Corrie. She's, <laughs> she's a bit of an odd choice because she was new to Corrie at the time and yeah. she's, a, she, she's a sort of mid range character now. She's not mm. one of the big. She's got a big surreal at the moment. That's quite good. I, you'd have thought it would be Rita in this. Yeah. But it's supposed to, it's just availability. Yeah, mm. This is brilliant. <laughs> Looking. <laughs> 
And that is how all people from Manchester talk, <laughs> isn't it, Joe? Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> not stand at the bottom of our stairs and eat barn cake. Which is sometimes just barn cake. It's not barn cake. No, it's barn Yeah. It's such a bomb. It's a bomb. Bombs are dangerous. Yeah. So, so Doug knows what a bomb cake is because Doug's northern, but the subtitler is obviously southern and doesn't know what a bomb cake is. It's a bad image of standing at the bottom of our stairs. It's a cob. Actually, American listeners probably don't know what a bap is, but anyway, bread roll. It's a bread roll. Do you want to make it a bap? <laughs> I like that as well. They've just landed in a little spaceship. <laughs> so I mean, this the the whole Coronation Street scene, scene sequence is gold. Mm. Um, Every aspect you know, of it. You didn't that, expect that, did you? Well, yeah, but we got that. It, Simon Gregson's line there is one of the best lines. Have you been drinking? Yeah, well, a couple. <laughs> and then obviously, we've got the absolute best line of Back to Earth <laughs> yeah. coming up. Which is, you know, completely even John point. laughed at that one. <laughs> John killed laughed, the room. John laughed a lot. John laughed a lot and then de- denied. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, John. <laughs> I really like um, Robert. Again, it's Robert, actually. His earnestness. With it. Hello, Mr. Charles. <laughs> Fictitious characters from Red Dwarf, as if he doesn't know what it is. <laughs> Gold fucksticks, fucksticks. <laughs> and of course, even, even though it's not Ed By directing it, uh, Red Dwarf it's... has been doing multiple actors, uh, yeah, multiple yeah. iterations of the same longer actor, than and longer than pretty much anyone, uh, and always doing it well. So. Yeah, new techniques, isn't it? Yeah. Which <laughs> one's he pointing to? Cat. I think you said Cat's not all here. Yeah. Cat. The joke is cat agrees <laughs> yeah. with the insult. Who asked you, Gregson? <laughs> <laughs> but of course, if they've already done Back to Earth Part 1 and 2, he should know that they're going to be here because that's part of Back to Earth. Oh, it's all That's very confusing. complicated because... There we go. Uh. That's the big one. <laughs> if you didn't know. <laughs> And Craig Charles slagging himself off here, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Crichton doing a funny walk. <laughs> and then Crichton does a oh, oh, yeah. That is just wonderful. That never gets any... Even though, even the fact that if you don't like the fact that it's a Blade Runner reference, yeah, that oh, shot yeah, is still wonderful. This bit is improved in the director's cut. Uh, in the broadcast version, they open the door and it cuts to the break and it comes back and you see the little munchkins and uh, it, yeah. it throws the gag a little bit I wondered um, when we visited the set why Ella took the time to show us around this whole bit so much because <laughs> it's right where there's like a coffee shop and uh, he was going oh there's this this and things were filled pay attention here. there'll be a hey, test later yeah. <laughs> and I was oh <laughs> <laughs> Of course, Richard O'Callaghan is one of the best people oh, wow. to have ever lived with. Oh, we will not have a bad word said about so Richard much. O'Callaghan. He's DJ, amazing. last DJ at the time of recording, 2009. <laughs> there was massive scheduling problems that couldn't be avoided, but it meant that his Q&A was just pushed later and later and later. About nine o'clock in the end. nine o'clock he started. Yeah, um, well, I think he ended up leaving about 11 o'clock, something like that. Um, And and it's an old man. He's a very old man. He's 70-something years old. He texted me at two o'clock in the morning when he got home, (laughs) and he was just like, 
oh, let me know if I can come again. I had such <laughs> a good time. Um, and, 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 you know, let's, let, let's be fair. I don't think anyone was looking forward to him as a, not looking forward to him, but mm. as a highlight of the weekend. It was, it was yeah. oh, this will be quite interesting. Yeah, this but, will be good. So, you know, the fact that it was, well, we talked about it at length it's on a classic, the podcast, yeah. but. Yeah. yeah, classic, loving, telling yeah. really good stories in, yeah. Yeah. A massive loving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just remember uh, Rocky Marshall being really pissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> this man, will it, listen. <laughs> we were. <laughs> And this is it constantly good between now and the end of the episode. Huh? <laughs> constantly awesome. The whole of part three, because really, part three starts with Corey. Well, it starts with yeah. them doing the driving and Corey, yeah. and then this, and it just doesn't the, stop. Uh, so the being only amazing. the only thing that lets it down is if you've still got to be in your bonnet about the Blade Runner thing being quite. Yeah. But even then, this but, is the episode where you get the justification for it. Yeah. As you and say, the swallow all, scene is pointless to part two. Yeah. It's not pointless here. Yeah, and also it's just. Is these scenes, they happen to be Blade Runner type scenes, but they're all good in their own rights as well. Mm. Whereas Swallow is just an average scene that sort of holds the whole thing up. It could have been, they could have gone straight from the comic shop to Curry. They could have got the keys off him. Mm. In, incidentally, they as well. Built the... oh, yeah. um, there's obviously a the whole thing, and obviously when they're doing the Blade Runner stuff in this, they do focus heavily on the film. And it's the film that he talks about, as, and Blade Runner in particular, as being a massive influence. But it hadn't really struck me until I was, I was actually thinking about it, having a conversation with somebody about it recently, how big an influence Philip K. Dick obviously is on Red Dwarf, because not only have you got the Blade Runner thing, um, but thanks for the memory, I, hadn't even, I don't even know why I hadn't tweaked this before, is We Can Remember It For You Wholesale, or Total Recall, as the film oh. was. And the whole well, thing about... What say? <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing about uh, what happens to somebody when you change their memories... What person do they become? Oh, okay, oh, yeah. Yeah. here we go. Cameo yeah. spotting. Yeah, people spotting. Uh, As I loved. <laughs> is, is the bloke holding the lightsaber thing somebody or just... Uh, no. He's no one. Joe. Joe. There's Joe. <laughs> hey. There's Richard O'Callaghan. <laughs> they all run past uh, Joe. There she is again. There's Joe again. And there's, and there's, there's Joe again. again. <laughs> and a You've massive close up of James in a minute. There's James. There's James. There's James again. So, Joe, what 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 was it like uh, being in Red being Dwarf. in Red Dwarf, doing this scene? It was really good. Um, it, it it's good that it all turned out visually the way you want that Doug wanted because he spent ages going up and down, and um, everyone had like big glow stick things, which you don't really see you can kind of see the atmosphere that it creates but you don't really see them he spent ages wandering up and down this like alleyway that they've made up into the marketplace and at god knows what time midnight or something going no no you put that one down you pick this one up you do this and, <laughs> and there was all of these yeah. very pernickety <laughs> man yeah. but yeah it, it was great i had an amazing time Regardless of cold and lateness <laughs> yeah. and everything else, it was I got to be in Red Dwarf. So yeah, that's quite good. So screw everybody else. <laughs> yeah, so you got to nose around and poke at carbug and yeah. <laughs> I, day got to, I yeah. got to look around the um, the bunk room as well. Oh, yeah. When they finished filming. So the easy button. I did. 
Which isn't a feature of the thing we assumed it was. Yeah. I'm trying to cling onto any piece of detail. Right, Joe's seen a button that says easy. That's going to be a massive <laughs> plot point. <laughs> this is the bit that's the biggest celebration of dwarf yeah. history, <laughs> even though it comes at the most climactic bit yeah. of Blade Runner uh, affection. The, uh, I mean, what we didn't talk, about, he wouldn't um, talk about it as it was going on, but the, that sequence with the death thing. Uh, it's really well done. It's a really yeah. nicely put together scene. If I was being picky, um, I'd say it's a shame that the glass looks like sugar, sugar glass. Yeah. But, but then you're not going to hold them through real glass. No. <laughs> I mean, well, no, I'm assuming there's more expensive types yeah. of sugar glass. This, this is all of this stuff is obviously the point at which you can just completely imagine the casual viewer, someone who likes Red Dwarf but isn't a massive fan, just being completely turned off <laughs> no, by it. This. But, but then know, at the same time, the bits. Of uh, you know all the stuff with the typewriter and making the typewriter affect what's happening in the yeah. room is the most accessible. At this yeah, end. true. Because it's just jokes that arise from the situation, which is what Red Dwarf does best. But uh, that's more the sort of thing that your casual Red Dwarf fan remembers from the old series. Is yeah. you know things like oh, do you remember when there was a, everything was backwards, and do you remember when that thing was changing and taking everyone's emotions. True. It's those jokes that are most memorable and most linked to Dwarf. It just kind of feels like this is around the point where the sort of person who you see online going, oh, I tried to watch Back to Earth, oh, but it was absolutely terrible, they should have just stopped making it, or oh, they should just yeah. give up, they shouldn't do anymore. It feels like this is the sort of point where they would have been getting really fed up. Yeah, well, but they just wouldn't really have been paying attention to what it was actually doing. Yeah. They would have just been thinking it wasn't doing what they wanted it to. Yeah, we'd all like to see Chris Barry's sitcom. And also, I mean, yeah, the underlying thing of I really like that concept that he wanted to be in a sitcom. Because all this thing about them discovering that they're a fictional TV show, they never discover that they're in a sitcom. Yeah. They just assume, they assume that they're in a sci-fi, <laughs> yeah. you know, like in a full-on Star Trek as sci-fi drama series. It never occurs to them that it's a comedy it's funny, series. Yeah. It, I find it really odd in this when. Lister kills the creator. He does it by just kind of pressing his head a bit and throwing him onto a bed. Well, should we try it on you? But I, I know it's like it's like a sanitized version almost. Mm. But Red Dwarf's had people being shot and killed before. Yeah, times. but it's, it's the bare hands element of it. I think is the is well again because yeah, remember maybe next snap okay it might be a it's a it's a Blade Runner reference and in Blade Runner. He holds Tyrell's head and pops his eyes out with his thumbs. Well, they should have done that. So, <laughs> yeah, they couldn't really do that, could they? So, really? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Because he would have got blood all over the typewriter. <laughs> Mike Seymour does What's the special effect. That's really clever. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> I, like that. I love Mike Seymour. Is Seymour's. that deliberate? Well, but it bounces off. <laughs> Because if not, it might be the yeah. fact that Richard O'Callaghan doesn't react at that point is pretty it might be an effect. Uh, I really like uh, Mike Seymour's commentary on that bit. He's really yeah. proud of the mm. simplicity. Yeah, yeah it's good. The effect is not what you're looking at. <laughs> no, that's not his voice at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's, that's not, that's he's not South <laughs> African. Fucking prawns. A really big bus <laughs> That's another long and several <laughs> the same. You could write a book. Oh, yeah. oh mate, you <laughs> This is very strong. 
Sideshow Bub and the Rakes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 got to be... Well, I say it's got to be a specific reference. There's no real point to it being... I think it's more... Uh, it's just a uh, funny thing. Yeah. yeah. A man standing on rakes. <laughs> I mean, what, what I'll say is, he's obviously yeah. seen Sideshow Bob in the rakes, but it's, uh, and the rakes, but it's not supposed to make the viewer go, oh, they're uh-huh. doing a specific yeah. reference there. Uh, continuing the theme of cat being hit in the face and falling over. Rimmer is still doing it despite the fact that he's not typing and also just despite the fact that Lister said right let's stop this now and have a happy end that still involves Rimmer doing it I'm sure that sentence isn't grammatically correct well actually what actually is it (laughs) that wouldn't happen no but it's nicely done (laughs) no this is real also that suit is entirely fictional he only changes into that after the squid attack. Well, remember, because we came to, because we were trying to work out, use what, this, is, you, this yeah, was your theory. This is my theory about what the Joy Squid did for everyone. Uh, for Rimmer, he got one over Katarina, so he, gave, he invented for him an enemy and gave him the opportunity to get one over on the enemy. Uh, for Lister, he wow, learnt, yeah. eventually, he learnt that Kachansky is still alive and it, it made him the controller of his own destiny and it made him take action and get his life back on track. For Crichton, it assuaged the guilt of knowing that he lied to Lister and that Kachansky, and he caused a lot of upset for him. And also to see Lister be more assertive. And for the cat, he, <laughs> he invented a suit. <laughs> <laughs> because he can't really cram the fourth <laughs> one into this amount of time. But also it works it. for the cat, because yeah. it's shallow. I think that's, um, pretty, that's pretty much watertight, that. <laughs> and so now, but now we're coming to the point where it was... Oh fuck! She's going to be in it, isn't she? Oh, like, is she going to be in it, or are they going to cut she, away? She, are they going to? Are they going to have a shadowy figure, and then he wakes up? Or? Yeah, yeah, because they could quite easily. Have they could have not done it. You know. Implied that it was Kachansky, but not. We don't Chloe. see her. Um, it was probably written in a way that means that they, they, if they couldn't get yeah, her, then they yeah. didn't need her. Well, you just wouldn't have had the scene with the car, basically. Which yeah. would have been a fucking shame. Although, again, you could have had Lister walking away from a shadowy figure, and you actually could have made a point out of the fact that we never saw her face. Yeah, and make it ambivalent. However, the fact that it is actually Chloe is obviously much better. This is the first time I've watched the scene coming up without crying because I'm talking over it and not immersed in it. (laughs) But it genuinely makes me cry. Because Craig Charles is so good. And I care so much about Lister. More than any character in anything ever. Well, well in fact, most people that I know, <laughs> having spent the majority of my life watching Red Dwarf. We have got coming up what is both Craig Charles and Lister's finest moment in the yeah. role of Red Dwarf. You know, the lie. Um, I don't know about the whole of Red Dwarf, yeah. but certainly. Be- best character moment. Best character yeah, best serious moment. No, but even then, because I don't think most of the best comedy moments come from Lester, so, oh, no. uh, you know, uh, I don't think it's the best moment, I think it's his best moment, is what I'm saying. There are a lot of proper Red Dwarf fans whose opinions I respect that fucking hate Back to Earth. Mm. And I can't, I can't like ever, no, like nice. John. I think it's just I've got the ability to 
Well, not ability, that's the wrong word, but... I, <laughs> You're better than me, in a way. <laughs> I can look at it on its own merits and not be too emotionally mm-hmm. involved in and certain things that I don't want to be emotionally involved in. I think that's something... And I can get past my re- initial reactions but if you watch this for the first time and you're in that moment and you fucking hate it then you're not going to go back to mm. it yeah. I think if it, I think it deserves a re-evaluation from everyone who hated it I think, I think so but I think it is something that it does seem to be so dependent I don't know anyone who's changed their opinion on it yeah. I got a lot of joy out of it first time it was on and I knew that there were flaws but the stuff that I liked has kept me you know I've watched it a couple of times since and I've liked it every time. I've picked up on on different flaws each time I've seen it. Yeah. But I've liked. That's the case with any good thing that you yeah. watch over and over again. I've liked what it sets out to do and how it does it. You know, the main thing with Batsworth is that unfortunately it isn't as funny as we hoped. Mm. But no. you know, it's, um, it's it is Red Dwarf and. Um, what he's fucked off. Know, this is great. This is just yeah. The hair's weird, but that's uh, Blade Runner <laughs> that's reference. That's another Blade Runner <laughs> reference, yeah. It's still not the whole fucking film. Even at this point, I think we just hadn't got our heads around the idea. Ah, fucking hell, all of a sudden, Chloe Anna is in there. You know? <laughs> and, yeah, Chloe being good. Mm. Which, <laughs> she's... <laughs> That's not going to really work on the podcast. I know. <laughs> well, I, didn't, I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to say. Oh, actually, I don't think she's all that good. But now I've said that. <laughs> but yeah, but the, I think yeah. with Chloe, it's entirely dependent on the writing. And in series seven, her character was designed to make the characters we liked unhappy. And in series eight, her character was just nagging woman. Mm. And series seven, she was a nagging woman as well. In series eight, she had very little character. And in this, she's got a, she's got a clear purpose. Yeah. Oh, she doesn't have much to do in herself, but every little bit that she has to deliver, she does well. Just as well, just before we get too far away from it, the the, the line, the I'm I'm pretty cool, don't yeah. explain whatever. Um, it's 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 very good writing to be able to plant something that you don't nec- that serves its own purpose at the time that it's that it shows up. I'm talking about when the kid says yeah. that too, but you don't necessarily think it's going to have any resonance later. And a sudden callback like that that suddenly makes it a really significant line to the whole thing. Mm. Um, that's that's just good structure. That's you know, and again, because there are a lot of people who the main criticism they'll have of more recent Red Dwarf is the writing. Even if they go, oh, the effects are good, the actors are good, oh, but the writing's not very good. Mm. It's like, well, it's not always as funny as you might want it to be. But don't say that Doug's not a good writer. He's yeah. writing what he wants. He'll do stuff yeah. like that. And structurally, the original line from the kid is pretty much the centre point of the entire thing. It's mm. just after the break in... Um, yeah. Well, That's not long after the break in part two. It's another reason why it works better as a 70-minute feature as well. Yeah. It's definitely better as a 70-minute because so anyone bugged by the fact that he sings the wrong tune? I like <laughs> little fish. That's not how it went. <laughs> like little fish. <laughs> <laughs> And as traditionally happens with big, huge, very funny plot-driven Red Dwarf episodes, it ends on a bit of a shit coda. <laughs> Not shit, but just really low-key and weird in the, exactly the same way as Back to Reality. Yeah. Oh, no, but I do like this whole thing of, you know, 
Multiverse one on one. You know, even though they've just discovered that it was all a hallucination, they're still talking about the reality that they like. I mean, it's the thing because mm. Brighton says, you know, oh, they exist because of our hallucination. But which I'm not sure um, is no <laughs> based on any real theory. Yeah. No, when he says multiverse one on one, I think he's talking about fictional multiverse one on one. Well, you should say that. Um, well, you know, <laughs> he's, talking, he's talking about rules of fiction when you get fiction that deals with multiverses. I I well, this, rules uh, within this fictional universe. Probably would. <laughs> it's like in, um, <laughs> like in Waiting for God <laughs> someone else is new and Lister just points at him. <laughs> Is is some credits? Yeah, and it's better. It is better with scrolling credits than it is with. Uh, yeah. Am I right? I think the broadcast one had static. It's slates, yeah. Credits, yeah. Because the, uh, yeah. Um, and they For use the reason. proper font and everything, and they do look nice in HD. Yeah, everything. Any graphics thing looks better in HD. <laughs> but it's, you don't get the weird uh, jumpiness of that you get on credits. Interlacy. I'll tell you what as well I mean maybe it's just partly when you know it you know what's coming it does rattle by it does yeah, fit. Yeah, I mean I know it's only 70 minutes in this form but it's you know it doesn't take long to get to doing everything it does no it does zip past which was a bit of a like, obviously at the time <laughs> we all wanted as much Red Dwarf as possible immediately and yeah. we got fucking a, a commercial half hour yeah yeah <laughs> And we were yeah, right to the end. We were, we were like, what? We were hoping what? for a forty-minute slot, and there was there yeah. was all sorts of little yeah. things. Well, the, fa- the, the fact that it was split from two to three, it made like running time not quite as big as it would if it was written uh, yeah. three in the first place. I think. But so lemonis. <laughs> general conclusion that I mean I think it's pretty obvious in general sense that we. Those of us who are here now, we liked Back to Earth. Yeah. And there are definitely things that don't quite work, but it stands up to rewatching. Yeah. And, you know, <coughs> there's a lot to like about it, it. It's such a big thing for me that this is better than Series 8. It doesn't matter how mm. much better it is, which I mm. haven't, still haven't quite it's worked out. It's better than most of Series but 7 it, as well. Well, yeah, and it's, it's just important that the, the rot has. It's a step in the stopped. right direction. Yeah, the lot has stopped and also been started to be reversed, and it just it just fills me with a lot of hope for whatever is going to come in the future. It just means that you know the show that I've loved for so long can come. It will I, be able to continue with me liking it. Yeah, I really do just fun. find it a shame that not everyone thinks that. I know not everyone is going to agree about everything. I mean, it's like there. Are, I know we keep making reference to Doctor Who, but there are even people who think that the Moffat series of Doctor Who was a really weak series. No, it is. Uh, well, yeah. But baffling people. It annoys me when I go online. And you know, I don't have the attachment to, to it and involvement in the actual production of it. But it annoys me when I go online. Whenever you see a news story about the possible upcoming Dave stuff, and then you get people going, "Oh yeah, but Back to Earth was really shit, and oh they should just leave it alone." And it's like, well, no, Back to Earth was actually an improvement on what it was before. And yeah, even though yeah. it wasn't perfect, can you not see they're heading in the right direction? Can you not see the good things that they did? It's, a, um, it's drawn a line under. Pat has given it a, you know, it can start now. The new mm. series can do whatever it wants because yeah. of Back to Earth. And yet there are people who still want them to go again because I've seen this because because I've written up articles on it for Den of Geek, and there are commenters there who said things like, um, "Oh right, well they've done Back to Earth, but that should be standalone because that was in the future. Can they go back now and do the cliffhanger from silly. Series yeah. Eight? No, that would be a terrible Move idea. That's interesting. Copyrighted UK yeah, gold services. UK gold service. Well, yeah. There must be a holding company. Yeah. The end. 
Except it's not. I'm no. I'm not sure about that Just being edited because it it's you know. <laughs> well, uh, I think the problem because obviously um, through the fan club stuff, the Twitter and Facebook, I get a lot of people who either it does seem to be you either really love Back to Earth or people just despise it. Um, and the thing, the main thing is when people say that they hate it, it's because, oh, it's just, it's not as funny as the early, mm. as mm. the early ones. But then, Very I, few things I'm not sure I ever expected it to be anyway. Yeah. From my point of view, it's more of a, a celebration and it's kind of it's got so many in jokes and things for like long term fans. I mean, there's stuff in there for new people as well, but there's so many like little in jokes and little nods and it's I don't think it was ever intended to be as funny because there's so much more emotion in it, especially mm. from, from Well if Craig. it was if anything, if it was I don't know that a lot of the earlier episodes were able to do this, but um, you know, it is only one person writing it as opposed to two minds coming together. If it was concentrating on being funny, it, the I have a feeling that the ideas and the integrity of it wouldn't hold up as well because that's what happened with Series 8. Yeah. Series 8 tried to, and we can argue till the cows come home with certain people whether that was successful or not in being funny, but it was aiming to just go back and purely be funny at the expense of the ideas. Hang, while there were ideas in Series 8 and there were some yeah, good ideas in Series important. 8, stuff doesn't hang together as well because all the thought has gone into the comedy. In this, the thought has very firmly gone into the plot and the, more specifically, into the character stuff. Well, I think that um, makes it sound like the two things more mutually exclusive than they are. Oh no, they're, they're not. Well, no, but because it's they, got got it, they got it so right between series two and six. Yeah, it was the but Back to Earth had to do a lot. It's the first one back in ten years. Yeah. It had to be. It had to still bear in mind be accessible to people who won't necessarily been watching it before. Because while okay, the viewing figures are smaller than Red Dwarf would have been previously. There will still, you know, it's ten years. The, there will be people who have stumbled figures, across this on uh, Dave. I think the uh, viewing figures are better than Series 8 ended on, not in terms of the numbers, but in terms of the televisual climate it was in yeah, yeah. and the fact that it was on a, tw a digital channel. I think but the point is, it, it was the last Back to Earth, I think. Million and a half, wasn't it? Yeah, because they fucked up the scheduling. Yeah, and um, Back to Earth peaked about 2.5, 3 million. 4. On Back to Earth Part 1. No, I'm thinking of uh, the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that um, other first? Yeah, <laughs> but no, I mean, but, but the point is, I think, you know, when Red Dwarf was at its peak, I say at its peak as if the first six series aren't pretty much all into one another. Um, you know, a big flat peak. Well, the point <laughs> is, it was, it was there, it was established, it had set out its door to do a certain mixture of ideas and comedy, and they knew how to do it. The two of them were doing it together and it, everything just clicked and everything just worked. Back to Earth arrived in such a completely different set of circumstances. Mm. That, and I don't want this to sound like, it almost sounds like I'm patronising it or damning it with faint praise to say that it, it was under pressure and was juggling a it lot had, more. Yeah, it had a lot to fight against. And the fact that it managed some of it so successfully, I think, is to be applauded. But even then, it always feels like when I say, because a defence of Back to Earth is to say, okay, it isn't as funny as the older stuff, but it looks great and the plot's really good and the cast are really good and this, that and the other. That does it a disservice because that feels like you're admitting that it's not funny in the slightest. And I simply do not agree with the people on the internet who say Back to Earth was shit because it wasn't funny. Yeah. No, it's funny in places. I will admit it, there aren't enough really good jokes in it for me. Enough jokes that I click with. I think me. a lot of it as well is, is the way Doug's <coughs> writing has gone. You can mm. see that he's... Um, 
well, I mean, it, Series Eight kind of makes a lie of this a little bit, but with Seven, he he had he made a similar move to um, back to Earth, mm. and he, he it almost as if he decided to do fewer out 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 and out gags and do more plot stuff. And his book as well isn't. Yeah, particularly it's, it's a, a step in a different yeah. direction, and um, and he went back obviously to do the gag a minute stuff for series eight. But I think the general feeling is that he's probably more disappointed with that than he is with seven. That's you know if he is disappointed with one because clearly he's gone against that that grain with this. And I think yeah, you can say there's not enough there's not enough laughs in it, but I don't think that's a failing so much as it can't really be a failing if you aim to. Not having yeah. as many yeah. left. Right. Makes any sense. <laughs> but anyway, but but the point is, you know, it's clearly not shit. No. It is good, and, uh, and you know, it shouldn't series. annoy me that people have their own opinion. Like I say, but I feel like it doesn't get enough credit yeah. for for doing what it did and for being as relatively successful as it was. And I think anyone who didn't like it, I mean, any new series is going to be. Is going to be a different animal entirely just because of yeah. the structure. Mm. We've got no idea whether it's going to be standalone episodes. We don't know. We don't know if it's going to be half hours or. Yeah. Could be a fucking know. serial. It, yeah, it could be like a Children of Earth type thing. Yeah. Mm. But that, my dear listeners, is for a future podcast, <laughs> probably. Many future. Podcasts. Many future podcasts. Uh, so for now, we shall say thank you for listening. And fuck off. A good night. Love you, bye bye. Fuck off. Hey, eight out of ten cats prefer Ganymede and Titan. www.ganymede.tv. <laughs> <laughs>